0: Hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle in and let's find that sacred space between where, here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together here is just as meaningful and sacred as if we were sitting beside one another. OK, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled Thank You for Rejecting Me. All right, so a few weeks ago, we talked about the importance of deconstructing instead of merely just walking away from Christianity and not understanding how your indoctrinated beliefs can impact you in subtle or also not so subtle ways. So you can go back and and listen to that. But today, we're going to discuss one of the most misunderstood emotions, and that is the emotion of rejection. Rejection. And you may not see how the connection to your deconstruction journey, uh, how that may be connected, but let's dive into this and see what arises for you. So let's get a general idea of how rejection is defined. In its simplest form, rejection is defined as refusal to accept. Now in mental health, this is often regarded as the emotion of hurt feelings. Rejection is sometimes seen as a bucket in which Uh, Feelings or emotions such as shame, sadness, grief, bullying, things like that, anything, loneliness live after we've experienced something like bullying, or we've had a tragedy, those kinds of things sit in that bucket of rejection. So a a person may reject or refuse to accept a gift, for example, but like I said, in the field of mental health, uh, rejection most frequently refers to the feelings of shame, sadness, or grief that we may not, that we may um, experience. And also a person can certainly feel rejection after a significant end to a a relationship. So the emotion that is most consistently and incontrovertibly associated with low uh, perceived relational value is the one that people uh, call, quote, hurt feelings. Now, in many ways, this can be something like uh, feeling like you aren't good enough, that something about you is so bad or that you are meaningless or have uh, you have no worth that uh, allows you to be in the company uh, of those who you respect, admire, or love. And I never considered how rejection had played a role in my own deconstruction journey until I did the work of deconstructing. So this goes back to that one episode from a couple of weeks ago. And once I understood that rejection was swirling around in all of those emotions around leaving church, it was still a painful reality, but it helped give word to what I had experienced so many times in church. All right. So now to make some uh, points about this, I'm going to take us on a trip to Canada, but we're going to go there by way of Mexico. And every time I tell my husband a story, he'll say, now, wait a minute, is this going to be one of those stories where we're going to go to Canada by way of Mexico and 99 99- percent of the time it is because I'm a storyteller and a preacher, so it's all it's all kind of mixed up there, and that makes sense if you're sitting in the USA, so that's what we're going to do, so anyway, we're going to start with a video that went viral a couple weeks ago on TikTok, of course, by a creator named Johnny Knockers, uh, that his last name was spelled K-N-O-C-K-E-R-Z-Z, and the way I understand it is there was actually some rebranding on his part to get away from the r- original video that had gone viral. Uh, because it did not end well for poor Johnny. But what happened was there is this beautiful couple on TikTok who share their life stories together. They are high school sweethearts. They are clearly devoted to each other and in love. Now, according to this, um, sometimes this social construct, this imaginary and acceptable realm that at one time or another, all of us have been uh, victims of that says that you are going to be judged by your body composition. And if you have weight on your body, oftentimes you are judged negatively. So people will do that towards the wife while the husband is judged favorably because he is, according to these standards, very fit looking. But in one of the, it certainly doesn't seem to bother them and they are the only two that matters. And as they openly and lovingly share their life story with us, in their videos. And in one particular, what I would call steamy video, but it's actually still very PG. uh, The wife is playing the seductress towards her husband and the young man who Johnny Knockers was his, is his creator name. He decided to stitch that video. So a stitch in, in TikTok lingo is you can take a video And you can take a few seconds of it, and that could be the intro into your video, and then you respond somehow to that. So this young man, Johnny Knockers, took that video, did a few seconds of the woman moving seductively towards her husband, and all he does is, the the next scene is Johnny Knockers face in absolute disgust. it's very clear that he has a, a look of disgust on his face, and he just asks this question, dude. What are you doing? Seriously? What are you doing? And there may have been a few other flowery language in there, but that's basically what he said, what he said. That was it. That was the entire video. The in- TikTok absolutely lit up. People responded immediately to Johnny Knockers with such vitriol and pushed back on his bullying. And in my mind, it was all deserved. The videos that I saw pushed back on him very, very. Uh, loudly. And it was all deserved. Because he was a bully. He had no business infusing his opinion of this couple in that way that was so disrespectful and so derogatorily towards the wife. But I also knew that something else was arising for me to to talk about this. Yes, I thought about making a response video, just like a lot of what the others were, but something else was uh, arising. Now, Since then, I'm glad I grabbed the video, as several people have, because Johnny Knockers has completely disappeared from TikTok. Not just his account has been banned, like you see often in the social media realm. Oh, no, he is gone. You can't search his name. You can't find that video any place associated with an account unless it's been stitched by someone else. So like I said earlier, this These video responses have been appropriate, but Johnny has disappeared, and I hope that he's somewhere locked up in a room, self-reflecting on his actions. I don't know that he has enough self-awareness to actually do that, but we can hope. So what came up for me is that there is another moment of wisdom about how we show up in these places. I am so proud of the creators who stepped forward and sweep in and defend the couple and put Johnny in his place. But what also happens is our advocacy for those people who have been targeted for bullying comes from our own place of hurt. And that's okay too. I've been hurt and judged like that based on some value or the way that you judge the way the world should look. And now I don't want someone else to hurt that way. So I'm going to use my voice to ensure that someone else isn't, that someone else is pushing back on that type of bullying. And, And that actually is a very healthy approach to healing because you have taken your hurt. You know what that feels like, and you're going to turn it to work for the good. Or I'm going to use my voice to push back on a toxic bully and show him or her what pain they've caused and demand that they either take accountability or go away, which Johnny chose the other path and and went away. Because we understand that even for many of us, especially those of us who have been born uh, in white skin, that we come from a place of privilege. And when we show up in the world where we're acknowledging that other people have been subjected to and oppressed by those in power. And so it is time for us to use our voices to push back on those oppressive systems of systemic racism and so on. Now, I've talked a lot about that in the past, so we're not going to go down that rabbit hole too far, but I want to say that if that statement may be triggering for you, it may be time for you to pause and and reflect on your own places of privilege that may be hiding that you're you're not recognizing. I'm recording this on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and for white people, this is a day of to be silent and listen. And figure out those places. For those of us who want to be advocates, this is a time to to listen and also learn about our biases and prejudices. So I'll just park that there as well. So if you're still here, and you're listening to this podcast, I promise we'll come back to this and the discussion about um, about some of this at another time. As I often say during my podcast, I find something a little nugget and I say, okay, we'll come back to that later, but let's stay here with this video just a little bit longer. And I'm going to put a couple of things in the show notes, including my uh, video response that is going to kind of uh, talk about this, that we're going to talk about it in here in this podcast, because here's the thing. I'm not saying that Johnny or whatever his name is, that's very highly unlikely that's his real name, that he didn't deserve everything that karma threw at him because he did. So we know what he did and the response to it, but let's talk about why he did it. Why did Johnny feel so entitled to do this to someone else? Yes, we live in a society where a human's value is often judged by their body composition, the color of their skin, where they were born, their sexual or gender authenticity, and none of that's right. Those are prejudices. Those those are phobic values and racist beliefs that marginalize another human's value while making yours more superior. We see this all the time. But Johnny took it a step further and not only degraded the woman in valuing her by her body composition, he totally dismissed her. He didn't even talk to her in the video. He talked to the husband. So immediately we see someone who places value on the man's actions over the woman's because he's already dismissed her as nothing. He is looking at this husband and saying, how can you make a choice to love a woman that does not fit my filter through which I judge women? And you can see it for yourself. There's more than just disgust in Johnny's look when he starts talking. I see palpable pain and a little bit of confusion. I honestly believe that he thought he was doing something that in his mind was admirable because no doubt, whatever Johnny's experiences have been in life, he has been affirmed in other audiences by saying the things that he did out loud. And people either laughed or agreed and judged women through this narrow filter of how they should look and how they should act. So in Johnny's mind, anything that doesn't fit inside that filter or doesn't pass through the filter to the other side that's acceptable, all of us, are abhorrent we're detestable and what I'm doing when I say this is I'm merely I'm merely mirroring what Johnny said and how it reflects his misogynistic indoctrination and this misogynistic indoctrination is such a part of his identity that anyone who challenges it is rejecting Johnny. Now think about that because So many of us miss this when we think about how we are showing up in the world and when someone does something that's not even, we're not, it's none of our business. We're not, they're not accountable to us in any way. Where is our anger or our disgust or our detesting their decision or their behavior? And, And they're not accountable to us in any way, shape or form. How they're living their life has nothing to do with me that is coming from a place of our own entitlement. And when we witness that someone else has different values, we are experiencing rejection. That is so important for those of us who are here trying to do the work. And as always, if you could hear a snoring dog, she's really going to town over here. My grand dog has joined me in my quote, recording studio. And I think about she's about 10 years old and I know one of these days she's not going to be here so because I believe all creatures are sacred and I enjoy her time here I hope that you are just can tolerate the noise as much as I can because I know someday this bed beside me is going to be silent and Annie's not going to be here anymore. Okay, back to good old Johnny. I think this is why it's so important that we do the work of, indoctrination, of uh, deconstruction, our, de- our indoctrinated beliefs. And that can be not just religion, it can be our familiar values, our society, p- uh, how, how we have been influenced in our lives. We have to peel those back and see how they're impacting our lived experiences. Those beliefs that taught us that our view of the world is the only one that matters And everyone who disagrees with it or doesn't fit in these views, well, they're flawed or they're wrong or they're broken or they're less than. And that is what Johnny believed about this woman, but not just the woman, the man, the husband. Now, make no mistake about it, Johnny is a bully. Everyone who has called him out has a right to do so. But unless we understand why people bully, then we, and that includes us, we cannot see the elements of our being that need healed, that needs healed. Yes, he's a bully, but Johnny bullied because when faced with someone else's reality, he felt rejection and he lashed out. Does that speak to you in some way? Because I think it, There, in every time we are faced with something that rattles so many people, there is a teaching moment for all of us, an invitation to look in the mirror. So especially for those of you who uh, have are are somewhere guardians or caretakers of children or young adults, this is such an important conversation about how we are viewing the world, but not just them, ourselves. I'm sitting here as a 60-year-old, and I had to stop and, and revisit how my values and beliefs might be impacting me in those places and making sure that I accepted the invitation to look at my own brokenness and how it's impacting how I show up in the world. All right. So let's return to the title of this podcast. Thank you for rejecting me and dive into rejection space on our journey of deconstruction from our religious indoctrination and religious trauma. And I, cause I had not considered, as I said earlier, though, those feelings of rejection were impacting me after leaving church, those early days, immediately after leaving the loss of my spiritual community, of course, that's what impacted me the most. But because being as involved as I was in the daily operations of, of church meant, meant, that my entire text message strings were about church activity. All my phone calls, all my meetings, everything that happened in my life centered around the church activity. And in the early days, right after I left, there were a few beautiful souls who tried to get in touch with me. But for the most part, they got in touch with me to try to convince me to come back to church, to come under uh, submission of of church authority, but not necessarily to be supportive of me. But what I found in that expansive space of all of a sudden the the phone calls ending, the emails going quiet and no work to be done, there was certainly a disconnect that was happening with me that left this, this silence and this emptiness very unsettling. But what I didn't know at the time, at that time, and I've talked about this before, that those were the first days of me entering this spiritual will the spiritual wilderness now we have a resource guide that's going to be coming out very soon uh, just related to the spiritual wilderness so please make sure that if you haven't that you sign up for our newsletter at info@numasoul.com, or you can go to numasoul.com and you should get a, a pop-up box that can help you do that immediately because there's going to be a lot of good resources coming coming very soon but having been on this now this deconstruction journey for well over 10 years but also at the or in the earlier days in those spiritual wilderness it was very hard to figure out what exactly it was i was experiencing and i'll be the first to admit and i've said this before it was not easy i realized that i was dealing more with just re- the loss of friendship and this container the sacred container that held my spirituality i was dealing with rejection so this this feeling of rejection was a painful part of my deconstruction journey and this came very Home, uh, home for me. When during a, a discussion, a meeting with one of my mentors at the time, because one of the things that I did, and I encourage a lot of people to do this, it's very important to find people who can help you hold the space in your G- deconstruction journey. It's not a, it's not as important to think about where you're going and where you end up. Like I've said before, my my deconstruction journey took me forever out of church where I where I am now on the spiritual but not religious path. Some people circle back and return to church. Some people go on fully into agnosticism or onto atheism. It all is matters. This is not about judgment. It's about where are you going on your journey, because for each one of us, it's different. But what is, what the, the, the parent, there are so many paradoxes that show up inside this, this spiritual wilderness and deconstructing. And here's one of them for you. Why why would you feel deconstruction, why, I'm sorry, why would you feel rejection when you are the one who's rejecting your religious heritage? But it often comes in the form of experiences we have had when we finally are deconstruction, are deconstructing, because we realize that. In those times, it's, it's not just happening now, we have been repeatedly rejected over time when we were told that our faith was weak, or we were told that our doubts showed that we were, we were never a good Christian, or that we were judged inferior or labeled that we were troubled because we constantly questioned things, or we were rejected as being less than what the church needed because somehow we were a disappointment. There's a line in Ted Lasso from the, car- uh, the, the, the character Dr. Sharon Fieldstone, and yes, I'm a big Ted Lasso fan, but in this, Dr. Fieldstone says to Ted, who is now facing, ready to face his own deep healing, she says, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. And I'm sorry if that language offends you. I have a whole different mindset now about... Uh, Swear words, if you will, and who labeled them that, and how it can tr- what and why it was trying to control once again our emotional outbursts. But I am now firmly on the side that language is powerful, and it's also uh, can be very healing on our spiritual journey. So I have a I come from a different place in in swear words now, and I don't call them that anymore. I call them flowery language, flowery language. So early sessions with this this mentor that I told you about really helped me, and I look back on those sessions, and I know she was trying to offer me encouragement when she would say, Carla, you're going to walk through this spiritual wilderness, and you're going to come out on the other side of this healed and whole, and because of your commitment to do this work, you're going to help other people do the same, and I really could not embrace what she was saying because i was spiraling with so many emotions and so confused at the time so i parked her words there but once we started to deal with my rejection those feelings of rejection i began a new level on my healing journey because i had never considered Every time I had been told I had a doubter's mind or a spirit of offense or considered inferior because I was a woman or I didn't carry the last name that everyone else in in the church's inner circle carried, or someone with less qualifications was chosen for a leadership. Position that they had no business, were not qualified for at all, but they were blindly obedient to the church leaders, and that was their only qualification. That that those all those places of rejection, the times I would challenge church leaders when I was told that. Uh, I was wrong. And all of those friends who who didn't call after I left and how I was ill-prepared, I would never be a good minister and all of these things, this list could go on and on and on because rejection inside my Christian heritage held the keys to that deep level of of healing that was also connected to my inner child wounds. And I'm gonna pause a minute so you can consider that because so many of us, carry trauma from our past and as i said in a podcast earlier people who have been abused as children are more likely to be abused as adults and you see that quite often as you make your transition into organized religion as an adult that oftentimes if that is not a healthy respectful place that can a container for your spiritual uh for your spirituality you will find that they often know how to manipulate deceive and control people who have been abused to a level that the adults are now triggered back into that place of of silent submission and blind faith and, and obedience beyond questioning anything just to seek the approval of the church leaders. And it certainly was my the same in my case, you know, packing, unpacking my childhood abuse and also the rejection I felt from my parents' divorce. And I'm not, I'm not throwing any shade at my parents; they did the best they could at the time. But it does impact children, as as I know, my divorce uh, impacted my children as well. Those moments of rejection came flooding back to me as I started to do this work. And this is a good time to remind you that this is why deconstructing is so important, not just for your religious journey and unpacking all of that but just for your 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 mental emotional and spiritual well-being. And like I said earlier, the truth will set you free, but first it's going to piss you off. And it did until I did the work of healing. However, it arrived again in 2016. So years after I had done this deconstructing, in comes 2016 when Donald Trump is elected presidency. Now his candidacy had worried me. And I knew that there would be Christians who would be charmed by his racist and xenophobic platform, because I had been in the company of Christian nationalists for years. And I knew how they felt about their these indoctrinated, indoctrinated beliefs, and I was right. So after his reelection, I had moments where I would just start crying, thinking about Donald Trump, one of our country's biggest carnal, con artists with no qualifications to be president, with no moral or integrity to speak of, who's now president. So this kept happening for me. And, and these these I was just having these emotional outbreaks until I realized that this was a place that was asking for healing. And it was asking for light, because I was not going to be able to figure this out on my own. And I often tell people who will uh, comment something about, you know, I just heard your voice on your podcast, or I heard your voice on, uh, on, your, on a TikTok video, and I just started to cry. And oftentimes, those tears are pointing to something in you that's asking for light. And I say this out of experience, because I know that my tears we're pointing to something that needed light. So I reached out to a seminary sister and asked her to hold the space while I tried to process this. And it was a beautiful experience. And I shared my hurt, hurt about Trump's election. And I realized that the Christians' exception, uh, accepting Trump into their spiritual community where I had been for so long, where I had given so much of my life, and I was certainly more than just someone who kept a church pew warm. I had given sacrificially of myself for years. I had been the good Christian. I studied and I prayed and I tried to live obediently and faithfully according to the theology of my religious heritage. And in the end, it wasn't enough. I was repeatedly rejection, rejected So this religious heritage who repeatedly rejected me now was openly and warmly embracing this sexist, racist, corrupt human being who never even pretended to be a good Christian. He didn't have to be. His homophobic and xenophobic beliefs mirrored their dogma more than mine did. So now he was lovingly welcomed and it was I, who was on the outside looking in, and that hurt. And this was just another example of why the work of deconstruction and healing from our past wounds is so important. Because this, once again, is where I met another paradox with deconstruction. Because even though I had to do this work of recognizing how a man of such low morality and zero ethics, was now embraced by so many inside Christianity, I couldn't have been more grateful that I was no longer a part of my Christian heritage. So this did not happen overnight, but I was eventually able to heal those inner wounds and begin to see light at the end of this deconstructing and coming out of this spiritual wilderness so that I can now say years later, I can return to those words of my, uh, my mentor who foretold this time where we, you and I, would meet here in these spaces, these spaces that are made sacred by our shared experiences and, re- and healing journeys. Now, we cannot change that our past has happened to us, but we can change how it controls us. No one would ever wish upon you or anyone else the hardships that broke your heart. And burdened your soul, but we can, however, change its power to destroy us that launches us into our lives with passion, grace, and yes, even gratitude. And yes, I said gratitude, but it took the work, the hard work to find the truth before it could set me free, because it is in there, in those spaces where we know that the hard work we have done inside the spiritual wilderness has truly mended us back together, mind, heart, and soul. So is that you today? Can you feel those spaces inside the, the spiritual wilderness where you may be feeling cold and lonely? Can you be comforted by the fact that even though you cannot see the end of this path or this, this deconstructing journey, that you don't have to know how it's going to end? Can you find Those pockets of wounds that you may be carrying, that you've been ignoring for so long, are they here? Can you face them head on, looking them in the eye and see what the truth is so that you can do the work and be set free and know that, yes, it may piss you off, but it is indeed holy. And for you, beloved, I pray that this is where the healing begins for you so that you can indeed be set free. Blessed be. Okay, we went to Canada by way of Mexico and we visited Johnny Knockers. We visited a lot about my story, which I hope in some way has helped you with yours, because I know that your story might be different. I've heard from people who say that some of my story resonates with them, while other people say I I have no wounds from religion, but your story speaks to me because I find myself here turning away from church because it no longer serves my spirituality. You're all welcome here, dear one. Okay. Beloveds, I am honored to be in this space with you. I pray you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I will see you soon. Bye for now. wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to RefGrella's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at As always, follow at on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now!